water, earth, fire, air. Welcome to Bending the Elements. Production by the Novice Latest Podcast. With your hosts, Caleb and Isaac. The podcast about all things Avatar. Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, those in between and affiliated to Bending the Elements, an Avatar podcast by us, the Novice Elitists. I'm Isaac. He's Caleb. Caleb, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, and I'm I'm happy to be back. It's been a while since we it recorded has. Last. Yeah, sorry for any inside baseball, but it has been quite a while. So all of our thoughts from previous episodes probably aren't uh, up to snuff. They're not all there. So give us apologies. That's kind of on our hands. I just want to show our hand, lay, lay the cards out, and tell you yeah. guys um, transparently, like you know, if we forgot some, if I if I forget what I've always said, like hey, here's some setup here, and remember this for later. <laughs> it's like that's on me. I should be listening to our own episodes, which I do, anyways. But yeah, what do we got for t- what do we got for the audience tonight, Caleb? Oh, we've we've arrived at book two, chapter sixteen, Appa's Lost Days. So now we get to find out what our bud's been up to in the background all this time. Tissue warning, everybody's going to need uh, tissues because there's a lot of bowls of onions beneath uh, where people are sitting. Oh, yeah, you know, I was, I was cooking with onions today, yep, so, you know, there might be some lingering uh, oh, yeah, chemicals in the air. Some, well, <laughs> I wouldn't say, like, onions have a chemical smell to them, if that's what you're saying, like an artificial smell, but, like, I think I know what you mean. Well, it is a chemical in its way, but, you know, an artificial one. Yeah, it's just whenever I think of chemical, I usually think of something artificial. That's but fair. That's You're fair. right. It's not chemical, but... Or it's not artificial, sorry. Anyways, getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Sir, the summary. Ah, uh, yes, the summary. Well, well, first I'll say this is uh, written by our old pal uh, Elizabeth Welch Ehas, back again, and directed by the great Jean-Claude Volpe. So some buddies of ours, uh, regulars, as it were. How about the summary? So we open this episode four weeks prior to the events of Tales of Bossing Say during the closing moments of the library. And after Oppo was captured, he was quickly sold to a group of beetle-riding sandbenders. But before the beetleborgs could take him to Bossing Say for another buyer, Oppo hears Aang's call with the bison whistle and tries to escape. But the beetle baddies subdue him and bring him to their cellar, a circus trainer named Master Firewhip. But during his inaugural performance... A kind child visiting the circus sees the sadness in Appa's plight. Appa sees his lost avatar companion in this boy, and uses this to inspire the strength he needs to escape. Exhausted by the trauma of his day, he finds sleep in a barn, and as he sleeps he dreams of the day he met Aang and established their bond in their youth. But disturbing his slumber, the owners of the barn discover him and frighten him off to the skies. More trials and tribulations meet our buddy, such as a run with a rather violent boar. But eventually, Appa finds rest in a small structure in a forest. He stays there for a time, captured by the despair of his situation. But just by luck, the Kyoshi warriors happen to stumble upon a trail of his fur, and Suki, recognizing it right away, follows the trail and discovers him. She takes charge of returning Appa to safety. But Appa's trail of fur also leads the Azula attack squad to their location, and a fight ensues between the groups. 
Suki tells Appa to flee to safety, and although he initially tries to join the fight, he eventually leaves and goes off in search of the Avatar. Not knowing where else to go, he returns to the Eastern Air Temple and reminisces on his life there with the other baby Air Bison. But since the last time he visited there, a new resident has moved in, Guru Patik. This guru had a vision that he would one day help the Avatar and went to the temple to wait for him. He ties a message for Aang onto one of Appa's horns and uses the combined spiritual energies between the two companions to find Aang's location. And as if in a form of sleepwalking, Appa flies to Ba Sing Se. But when he arrives, Long Fang uses Aang's bison whistle to capture Appa. And that was what occurred during Appa's lost days. Okay. I'm at timestamp zero, my friends. Are you at timestamp zero? Oh, yes. And I'll hit play in, in three, two, one, play. Not that it matters if we're in sync, because we never are. <laughs> How could you say such a thing? <laughs> yeah, I'm just skipping past the previously ons here. But a lot of heavy stuff going on in Avatar lately. Whistler Sun. It's gotten more intense lately. It's the last few episodes. Yeah, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I guess you're right. Of yeah. book two, sorry. Book, book two. I apologize. I meant book two. Yeah, I guess we are coming to a close. That's interesting. Oh, but here we are four weeks earlier. We see uh, yeah, these scenes in the library. I think this is the same animation, I think. I don't think they redid it here. Mostly all the new animation was dubbed by JM, so anything from DR is just literally reusing, I guess, footage. Yeah, I was curious which studio did the library. It's It's been quite a while since we did that one, so <laughs> not top of mind. It was JM, if I recall, because they do the library and then then the next group is dr movie for uh, the desert and you're just that that's where i'm just like oh they look like 3d models or 3d characters and you're just like this is some ugly looking character designs oh did i oh boy well that's i guess that's not surprising for me and stay tuned to the next episode to hear similar complaints oh <laughs> lovely let's keep going but uh, in this one, we expand what was happening. Now, I don't know if when they did the library, if they had the fourth, because I don't know if they did it in chronological order, but like mm. when animating the library sequence, or at least when up is being captured by the sandbenders, I wonder if they added this stuff in as well. And that was just like deleted, not deleted scenes, but they were going to save it for later. Or if this is brand new footage they put in later uh, when they were making this episode. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I would think that they probably just produce this later, but I actually don't know. I don't know how it works with the studios if they send them like, here's our block of scripts that you do. And if, if this is the same people who did the library, maybe it would be next in their block, but or at least in their block, I should say. But yeah, I don't know how that works. Neither do I. But I remember saying in the library, I remember this, that I was like, well, Appa doesn't put much of a fight up. <laughs> and... Here, that's the opposite. That's rectified. So, Isaac, screw you. Or, um, sorry, uh, Isaac, forget you. Well, if that's how he did it in that previous episode, I mean, I can't blame you there. He does kind of give up easily, and then it's not really until Aang blows his whistle that he kind of freaks out, and it's like, okay, I gotta get out of here. Well, here he's struggling a lot more. Like, he's really, like, they're really showing that he, like, like, he, he, was, he was a match for these guys. And, and it really took a lot of, like, them, them to, like, overpower him. Like it was a few more, like I, I, I was arguing that I wish it was a little longer and here I got my wish. Yeah. And I do really appreciate 
seeing all this stuff that was kind of hidden from us the first time, since we were so focused on what Toph was doing and what the rest of them were doing. I really like this idea of just filling in all the blanks like this. I think it's, and it was kind of brave for them because we don't really have a, a POV character that can talk to us. It's all like this, this animal perspective, kind of like what they did with the, the end of Tales of Bossing, say, just Momo's perspective. It's almost a little prequel to this in a way. Yeah, I mean, you could say this is basically the Clone Wars. I was thinking of that. Yeah, the Tartakovsky one, I should say, <laughs> not the. Uh... Oh well, I was also thinking of. Well, I know I was thinking of CG Wars. <laughs> oh really? Mm. Well, just because you know that's a whole series that means to justify episodes two and three. Oh. Where I'm just like, this is within the series itself, so it's not that. But I'm just saying, like, it's a night because. You're right. I like the fact that we're looking from another person's perspective. In this case, it's Appa. Uh, if uh, you could almost say this is a tale of Appa, even though it's like the lost days, Appa's lost <laughs> days. But like this is, if we're going with still with tales of bossing, say uh, this is the seventh part of that episode. Yeah, and you know, now that you say that, that is interesting because it's almost like tales and this episode in a way were filler, but this one's kind of. I mean, it's it's somewhat necessary filler. I mean, I guess we could have just cut to how we see him in the next episode. That's fair, but they present too many like setups for later stuff that mm. it cannot be skipped. Yeah, yeah. Because if you skip this episode and then like again, I will obviously I will not spoil, but like uh, even though I could, but uh, stuff later on happens of those who show up in certain places. You're like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Uh, but uh, but you see, if you watch this episode, <laughs> you will uh, totally see set up here and see that the creators did not have their hands tied behind their back and created Deus Ex Machina. Hmm. No. Yeah, so more of a sneaky, like backhanded setup in this episode that's filling in blanks of time that, yeah, no, that, that's smart. Exactly, because if the next episode is Aang finding Appa, you're just like, huh, I wonder what happened to him. Well, now you have a episode dedicated to that, and I think it's necessary, but that's just me personally. And speaking of things that happen to him, yeah, we get to these these beetle riders with their little beetle hats and their uh, yeah beetle buds. So now, hold on a second, hold hold the phone, hold the phone, oh. sir. There's one thing we have to mention is that as you know, they're ransacking as the sandbenders are ransacking the saddle, and goodbye saddle, by the way, and goodbye mm. uh, Sokka's club. Uh, that's kind of yep. I didn't, I didn't even realize that. I was like, oh, yeah, he's lost his club. All he's got is his machete. But as they're, like, you know, kicking dust everywhere and sand in his face as the rant looting happens, uh, he uh, sneezes and blows away one of their uh, the sandbender's sand skiffs. Oh. Uh, Desert, excuse me. And it lands inside a dune. And said sand skiff would be later used by the crew themselves. Oh, yes. Thank you. Mm. But as the lead sandbender, I forget his name, uh, as he mentions to one of the other sandbenders, he's like, or one of them's like, hey, isn't your dad going to be kind of peeved off by the fact that you just lost one of the skiffs? He's like, nah, it's from the other tribe. It's fine. The one that we stole. So we're even. Yeah. What a band of jerkos, these guys just thieving stuff all over the place. It's mostly this like, you know, the guy in charge He's kind of a big jerk. A big old goof. And then, of course, I like the little, what is it? I like the little gag of like the one sandbender taking this umbrella that I had never seen before. 
Oh, I thought it was Toffs. I thought we saw her with it. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't. I guess yeah. I selective memory, I guess. Yeah, but then we get the Beetle Buds. What do you think about these guys? I kind of like the uh, yeah the different versions of the Sandbenders, kind of expanding the Sandbender. Uh, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Tribe culture. Cultures. Thank you. Yeah, the big beetles, big beetle uh, beasts of burdens. Now, so. Yeah, you were you were initially saying, I remember in the desert when we met the Sandbenders, I had asked you like, hey, what do you think of these Freemen? Uh, are they really unique in design? And you're just like, no, not really. They're kind of exactly how I expect people in the desert to live. Where they got all the wrappings and they have uh, the protective eye goggles. So yeah, not really anything there. And you're like, ah, oh, fair enough. And then there's these, because uh, you mentioned the Hami tribe, but that's, we don't see those guys there. But then we have, you know, these guys, these Beetleborgs, as you said. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty unique looking, at least. It, obviously, like you said, designed off of a beetle. And it literally is a giant, like, Herculean beetle, I believe, or something. Yeah, and even though it's maybe a little bit of a silly touch that they have, like, the, the beetle hats, it kind of makes you wonder if they, like, in some ways, either base their society around the fact that they control these guys or maybe tie some sort of religious significance or something. Yeah, it's just a little bit of flavor that you can read into a little bit. So, so I can appreciate that. But yeah, as the beetle or as you know, they're the beetle tribes about to head out. Um, at that moment, Aang blows the whistle as we see in the desert and Oppa reacts. It turns into a violent frenzy. You know, he even almost picks up the beetle and flies off, but just can't quite manage the weight. I mean, yeah, he's he is literally like pinned, like the definition of pinned, and yet he still is able to like resist again. Mm-hmm. Like this, this character is resilient and will like you know try to get out of any situation he can uh, of escape. Yeah, they gotta they gotta drug him to keep him down. They shoot him with their little little pokey sticks. The sheer shoe darts, which if you remember all the way back in Batau of the Water Tribe, we saw the sheer shoe, uh, June's sheer shoe to be precise. And he took a lot of hits from the sheer shoe's tongue with the, you know, it's poisonous tongue that is tranquilizer. So it's interesting that they only used three darts in, in this case, but I feel like the sheer shoe was aiming at his, his hide and his hands are a little more like maybe soft and you know, softer and less durable. So maybe that's the I, I'm making literally like <laughs> I'm focusing on the wrong thing, but maybe they find they found a way to get down to its concentrate version. Totally. And like, I don't know how much of like a dosage is in those three darts, but uh, yeah, no, I, I accept the idea. I'm just like, you know, I remember when Appa fought the other this the an actual Shirshu itself, and he pretty much like withstanded so many hits before he like finally kind of like got paralyzed yeah but this time he unfortunately uh, succumbs and when he wakes he finds himself face to face with this this circus trainer this big jerko firebender yeah and i was interesting i was interested about that like it seems like these firebenders are living fairly unaccosted like is are they still in the sandbender area like are the the earthbenders okay with these guys i thought that was kind of interesting too what was whatever was going on there yeah, it's either a territory, like, uh, what is it? Yeah, occupied. Oh, uh, thank you. It's either occupied territory or it's something else. I feel like it is occupied territory, like that one village uh, in uh, the deserter. 
where it's you know it's a fire nation town taken over or it's an earth kingdom town first and then it was taken over by the fire nation similar mm. to jet's village or the village near um jet yeah i was kind of hoping like maybe the maybe the sandbenders are less xenophobic they're like oh you guys aren't attached to the government we're fine with you being here to entertain us yeah most <laughs> likely it's it is probably that hopefully the perspective of this series is definitely we're all against firebenders now, yeah, I yeah, like pirates for themselves, they were freelancers, so they're, they're wayfarers, so it doesn't really matter there. But uh, I do wonder, or at least I, as far as I'm aware, and again, I didn't look up the wiki or anything like that, but I I am pretty sure that this is not the same circus troupe that Tylee was a part of because I don't recognize the ringmaster from that episode. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. Hmm. Well, if it was, it seems like they've hit bad days because, yeah, not a place that's very bustling for uh, an audience. Yeah, no, that is that is fair. Um, I don't think it's the same troop, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I do like that he uh, he has some food for Appa, but he's like, you can't eat until you see how this is going to run and you perform for me. But then Appa just uses his uh, his airbending to suck all of suck all the food up. I thought that was really fun. Yeah, where then you see this like vulture cat or whatever it is, you know, demonstrating like what the ringmaster means, or at least, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. the ringmaster was talking about. Uh, so, you know, fair enough. Like it's a depicting obedience. By the way, this guy's a scumbag. Like, oh yeah, they are, they are certainly like showcasing a lot of like negatives when it comes to human uh, displaying like human emotions, not even human emotions, but like yeah, ill treatment. Thank you. Yeah. Human treatment of animals with humans. So like, I don't know if there was ever like a, like a good version of like a circus that did look after their animals. I, I don't know. History will say one thing, but like who wrote the history books exactly like what really did happen. Um, And so here it's like the completely negative outlook on, on circuses and animals. Perfectly makes sense. Again, I question what Tylee would do uh, if she were in this case. Maybe she's just too naive to like see what you know how much of a jerk face this ringmaster would be. I I have no idea. Oh yeah, and he looks real evil when he like burns up the around the cage and Appa's like trying to pull back and he just looks at him and he's just standing there with all the fire around him and he, like yeah. this evil ringmaster. I was like, man, this guy he needs to uh, Appa needs to like bite him in half or something. <laughs> It's too graphic for this show, but I was like, I don't want to see him because Appa just kind of leaves the circus and he's still there to abuse other animals. Leaves the circus. But I mean, okay, yeah. Unlike unlike Aang, Aang would be, you absolutely know that Aang would just free everybody. He absolutely would. Mm. Appa, I don't blame for on this because, I mean, really, how do you... Okay, it's not like Momo in the previous episode where he was about to be in, you know killed in the slaughterhouse and he freed his three feline... Um, uh, chasers, uh, bullies. Excuse me. He, f- he freed those three feline chaser or bullies, and you know they rewarded him by you know showing appreciation and affection for him. But like this is a different story where he just he just can't like he even yeah. though he could, it's like he it's everyone for themselves basically. Yeah, he was in a panic. He doesn't have opposable thumbs. Yeah, it would have been a lot harder for him to. Uh... Well, sort he sort of has thought. Well, yeah, I guess he doesn't have thumbs. You're right. He just has fingers. Yeah, and he was kind of just. 
I mean, he wasn't even really thinking about escaping until he had his inspiration. He was more just like, this is the situation I'm stuck in. And that is kind of the interesting thing with Oppa in this, is he really is much more reactive than uh, kind of like Momo. Like he was at, he was on the hunt for, for Oppa. Yep. Oppa's kind of looking for Aang, but he doesn't really know what to do. He's just kind of moving from place to place, reacting to whatever he meets there. I It's kind of a survival instinct, really. He's actively trying to survive and get back to Aang. That's my belief. Um, he doesn't obviously have the best tracking skills, but he's certainly... Well, when we get we, when we get late, later on, we'll kind of see that he does at least remember some things. Um, yeah. But yeah, I don't think he remembers... Or I don't know if he would know that Aang is in Passing Say. Yeah, and I get the sense from this episode that maybe Appa has a, like a different level of intelligence than someone like Momo. Like Momo, they portray as kind of dumb too in some ways, but and not to call Appa dumb. He's just maybe more limited in what he knows how to, to act on his own. I mean, yeah, these the Momo's tales of Momo and then Appa's Lost Days really does showcase the you know level of intelligence an animal has. And again, they think very differently from us. And so obviously like, oh, you should put two and two together. Like Momo, you're inside his paw prints. Like, come on, don't you realize that? But it's like, we're not them. If you were in their shoes, if you could see and like have your brain hardwired to what, you know, their brain waves are like, even you just be like, um, yeah, that oblivious. So it's like, this is literally how fourth dimensional beings view us for pit's sakes. Like you think you're yelling at the screen on animals being like, Oh, how, like, how could you guys be so stupid and simple minded? Like, you know, the rabbits in wow. Watership Down. Like, uh, how could you not realize that those, like, white sticks are just cigarettes? Like, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah. Or all the uh, all the non-pigs in Animal Farm. Oh, yeah. How can they not see everything building up around them? And, yeah, that's sad. Exactly. So, you know, animals display intelligence. It's just different than how we have intelligence. I mean, yes, for pit's sakes, we're the superior beings. I, I get that. Like, we're... Wow. There's eight billion billion of us for crying out loud. Well, I, I superior. I, I mean, how many ants are there? I mean, that's fair. And but um, <laughs> but I was gonna say, uh, even even between these two, uh, Momo and Appa, I think they do a nice job displaying maybe some intelligence differences in terms of because I because I'm not gonna by any means call Appa like stupid. He he just I think maybe he's always had someone who can help him. You know, he he's not self reliant in some ways. And so in all these situations, he never really knows what to do. It's only because he's inspired by a little kid that kind of laughs like Aang that he thinks to take to the skies and escape. Otherwise, he just kind of just stood there and, and walked forward. It's like, okay, I guess this is what they want me to do. Now, you might be onto something here. You, you, you just remind me of something in that this may be a level and display of uh, domestication. We're seeing hmm. domestication at hand, whereas Momo is still... While he's semi-domesticated, he's still kind of active on his own. He's still kind of independent. Mm -hmm. um, he never needed help from anybody other than like, you know, I, yeah, heck, he didn't really need help anywhere. Uh, like yeah. when he got caught by the um, animal snatcher and uh, he, <laughs> yeah. he, freed, he freed himself because he had imposable yeah. thumbs you know, with this, with a skeleton key. I totally missed that reference. Like I could have made that uh, the most obvious joke ever, but like he literally, you know, pulled the skeleton key out from the lock and then freed the other cats. He never, other than like, yeah, tracking skill. I feel like he would have eventually found that moment well, proper, but he would have found that eventually. 
Um, maybe he did real. Actually, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did realize it was his paw print. But anyways, yeah, he definitely did. So Momo still has some independence, uh, being like a feral animal, even though he's not feral. But you know what I mean, like a wild animal. There we go. Appa has been, and we'll see this. Appa has been domesticated since he was like a calf. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of that kind of makes sense because I remember having a feral cat he's no longer around with us anymore but he was you know he had to fend for himself and then we obviously have a domesticated cat and he can act pretty you know simple-minded sometimes yeah you know i never really thought about it but momo joining their group was much more like uh like a Toph kind of wandering and he just was kind of like oh these are some kindred spirits i mean two kind of airbenders like me i'll just hang out with these guys and you know he because he's yeah he's not really like appa He's just kind of there doing his own thing most of the time. Yeah. He'll follow them around. He'll he'll enjoy their company, but sometimes he'll just go off and do his own, own little thing. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. He's still independent. He's still like a free spirit in a way. And even though Aang does provide him with treats sometimes, uh, he can <laughs> still go out and find treats for himself. Like he's always, he's always like in, in the previous episodes, he's always like looking for something. <laughs> All right. He's still curious. He's still like, you know, wanting to eat stuff. It's like, because he's still like, a wild animal in a way. Again, not fully like wild. I want to make a difference between like feral and wild. Yeah. Similar, yeah. like they're similar and similarly named, excuse me. Oh, but we, we, I guess back to the episode, we do see, uh, yes, back to the episode. Yeah. The, the fire, firebending circus, they put up a little bit of fight, but Appa, he's too, uh, too agile in the air and manages to escape. And then we see him, I, I guess he returns back to the, the area of the library, right? That's where he goes first. That, that's kind of a fun thing in this too. Like he has a good sense of direction and kind of remembers the path that they went, but yeah, doesn't really know how to progress forward to find Aang. So he just kind of returns to places that they were once before. Yeah. I do like when he gets to the place where the library sunk and he starts digging it up. And then he almost has like a little crying moment where he's like, Oh no, they were down there. Like maybe they're dead. I, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't sure if that's what he was thinking or but I, I did think that was a sad moment for him. So I am not even anywhere near there. I'm still like right at the action of the, during the, the circus performance itself. But like, can I just say that I didn't even realize this before? Uh, well, f- one wind Buffalo. Yeah. Okay. Two, uh, the getup that he's wearing, uh, quite humiliating. I will, I will admit, but, uh, what is it? I never realized this until like maybe now, but technically Appa has a bull cut. <laughs> yeah, it looks like Luke Skywalker in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, like kind of has that like odd looking like bull cut. It's kind of funny. But anyway, yeah, no, I just want to say like uh, when Appa's confronting the ringmaster and after the, you know, standing Ang yells like, you know, fight back or get your freedom. And then, like, everybody starts laughing. And then, you know, Stanley Lang also laughs. I thought he was going to take that as, like, humiliation or, like, oh, like, all these people are, like, laughing at my pain or suffering. But it wasn't that, thankfully. It was just, like, jogging his memory of Aang. Yeah, you know, I, I thought that a similar thing. And I was like, oh, man, like, like how sad. Everyone's just laughing. They don't really see his plight. And it was nice that at least there was someone there who kind of, you know, I, I guess he saw Appa before back there and took a shine to him yeah gave him a little hand there he saw like you know that this beast was needing help and the kid himself looks like he gets abused by his dad because his dad's a jerk so (laughs) 
Fair enough. I'm, I'm glad this kid doesn't turn out to be one of those. At least I hope he doesn't. Uh, I, w- I, I hope this kid doesn't turn out to be uh, an abuser in the future uh, and that he does still care for animals. Uh, which is oh a, my God. Know, sign up, not an abuser. Well, it depends actually. Um, uh, but anyway, as yeah, uh, Appa exits the circuit or circus, excuse me. Uh, he tail whips, you know, the ringmaster and he gets his come up and so I hope he lands on his neck and paralyzes himself. He's still alive. He's just paralyzed from, I guess the neck, <laughs> which is very critical. So he's basically a lost cause. Yeah. And after, after we see Appa kind of mourning the, uh, loss of the library, his stomach starts to grumble a bit and he starts to uh, go on the hunt for food. At first we see him uh, spotting an egg. I guess he's got pretty good vision up there. He goes down to grab the egg, but this little lizard runs off with it. And then he's like, oh, a cactus. I remember when, when Sokka was having that, that great cactus juice experience. I'll go have some too. But it just, you know, stings his tongue. And and yeah, then we get to uh, we get a little bit of a flashback again. Uh, what are these guys called? Do you remember? Uh, buzzard wasps. Yeah, buzzard wasps. Yeah, they sure got a good good amount of use out of these guys at this point. But yeah, he goes in there looking for food and gets chased out. Like this poor guy. <laughs> Can I just say, like him, him, his flying animation is just so adorable. Oh yeah, just like of of him like bobbing up and down like he's a boat on the sh- uh, boat on the sea. Like it's, and even when he goes inside the buzzard wasp hive and then comes back out, it's just. Oh, I know it's it's bad it's scary and bad for him, but I think it's just super adorable. I don't, he just he just goes in, comes back out. I'm like, I don't know why. That's just so cute to look at. Oh, and then like Aang, in a similar fashion, he like tail whips and shoots shoes all the buzzard wasps back, but all of them just like you know come back to life, I guess, or they 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 just recover after being like slammed on the ground. Yeah, and I like when he's just kind of laid there, just licking the, the honey off his lips, and then he just kind of like takes a nap for a while. And then we cut back to him when it's dark, and he looks all all sleepy. But I was gonna say, um, I think not having the the saddle on his back, and we get to see like that big bulge. It just kind of makes a different look for him. Yeah, it is. Nice. I mean, we have seen him without the saddle every now and then. Not not all the time, of course. But like like when they when Aang sometimes takes the saddle off. Yeah, we'll we'll see it, but it, it, very brief. But yeah, here we actually see him like fully naked. Yeah, minus the uh, the chains, which is again an interesting sad wrinkle. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, that's that is fair. Uh, I kind of like the fact that when he was escaping from the circus, he kind of almost looked like he was galloping. I mean, like he was hmm. he was grabbing the ground, even though you know he's grabbing the sky. But it's like it's just kind of an interesting touch there. I kind of like that, like almost even swimming in a way. Yeah, you know, you were speaking about the domestication. Yeah, when he eventually comes across late at night, comes across this little farm or this little uh, little barn, I should say. Yeah, he just wanders right in. He he eats some hay, and then he's like, "Okay, this seems like a a place that's right for me. I'll just settle down for some sleep." Big sleep. Yes, maybe that's another piece of that. Yeah, just relying on humans to some degree. Yeah. Or finding comfort in them too. That too, yeah. And that like most humans he's known, which we'll get to, uh, have been very helpful and, or at least, you know, positive. Well, except for the Fire Nation. So (laughs) I guess (laughs) it does does vary, of course. So And Sandbenders. Yeah, Sandbenders. (laughs) It's not like he hasn't encountered, uh, and this year's shoe in in June. So it's not like he hasn't encountered, you know, nasty humans or humans with, uh, Nasty causes, but I uh, I know I know what you mean. Master flame whip, <laughs> dumb whip, really. Um, but <laughs> again, I'm only just gonna say this and that this is 
this is dumb on my part, but like retroactively, I wish they kind of had this either be um, the first girl that Zuko interacts with. It was her farm or this was the kid's farm from Zuko alone. Yeah. Either one would have been cool. Um, yeah. But maybe we get enough. I accept what they have though. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe we get enough callbacks. Yeah. it's I, Especially after this, we get a lot of callbacks. So I'm not going to front them on that one. It's fine. I just think it would be kind of funny if they, if they were doing all these other callbacks, I'm like, Oh, you should have done like this or this, but again, hindsight's 2020. This is me projecting. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it could have been, it would have been nice, but, uh, so this next part, so remember how you were in tears at uncle Iroh's, uh, tales of uncle Iroh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what this was. I almost want to skip this. Cause I don't know if I can, but <laughs> This flashback had me like just crying. Oh, this stream is beautiful. Absolutely. I don't, I don't know why I'm already starting to, ah, dang it. I'm already feeling it. I'm already starting to feel it. Cause I ah, had the images in my head. I don't know what it is about this sequence, in, but this just had me like crying. There's like literally a bowl of onions on top of my PS4 right now. Like <laughs> there was absolutely some emotions. I love seeing the, like the mom, She's even got her little chipped horn and all the little, little, uh, what'd you call them again? Calves? Calves, yeah, sky calves. Yeah, all flying around her. And I, yeah, that was, I thought, a, a beautiful image. It, yeah. And yeah, his introduction with Aang, it definitely warmed the, uh, the cockles of my heart, as it were. Yeah, it, oh, this is, this is one of those things that, I mean, maybe this is wrong, but this is one of those things that makes me still believe in humanity. Yeah. No, yeah, the, is yeah the the relationship that people can have with animals sometimes is yeah very very beautiful faith in humanity restored for now and i did find it interesting to see some uh some lady monks i don't believe we've seen that before with the the air nomads we we at least see like the you know avatar yangchen uh who was the air airbending avatar before ang who was female mm-hmm. and thus a female monk but they do exist we just haven't seen most of them which is i think if I recall, I think there was, I don't know if this is right or not, but I think in the lore, they separate the males and the females. Oh, wow. Uh, but the thing is, is like, they do consummate marriage or at least interact with, like these monks do. Um, Reproduce. Pre- yeah. Pro- <laughs> procreate, excuse me. There you go. Because <laughs> Aang, wh- where would Aang be? <laughs> like... <laughs> What, how would the culture continue to exist? Like, so Caleb, these aren't like the, these aren't the Jedi from uh, prequels. Well, I was going to say, yeah, I would assume that there are airbenders who aren't uh, monks who just live their regular lives and maybe they send their kids to the monkhood. Yeah, probably. I would think that was the case because it wouldn't make any sense that all of them would just be part of this order. I kind of want to see Aang's parents and know if he had siblings or not. That's my like biggest like. You know, what if, like, I want to see that idea explored mm. um, just because, you know, how, how did they react? Like, how did they react to the fact that their child is the avatar? And also yeah. how did they react to, I know, I know we obviously have Monk Gyatso, who very much is the, the father figure to Aang. Um, you know, I mean, but most of those kids were like separated from their family. I don't know. Okay. At least what we see on screen, I, we, I don't ever get there. I never get the sense that like the kids see their parent, like their biological parents. 
it yeah. doesn't i i'm sorry if i'm sounding very nuclear family like pro nuclear family that's absolutely not the case it's just i i just wonder like you know what what ang uh's relationship with his parents are if they even know he exists or whatnot it's like i, I kind of want to know if they if, if air nomads procreate well then like do they have a relationship with their children or is it like the first few years they're taught as monks and then they can later go see them yeah maybe they'll maybe they'll continue to explore it in this uh upcoming movie that they've got going they'll yeah no the, the movie will the movie will explain obviously not but like <laughs> hey you never know it's like not all okay I've, there's so many ideas you have for comics i'm just like can't we see you know ang's parents whatever oh but speaking of ang yeah i love that uh that they're both sharing the same dream again maybe the the spiritual energies that i referenced in the, the summary maybe that's maybe that's going on between them too they're connected in that way and so they're they're thinking of the same thing. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's some silliness. But but I was I was wondering that. Well, I'll say that there's some lines just to just to set up. There are lines. Hmm. Oh, but um, yeah. Moving past that very beautiful dream, I, I love seeing both the the meeting with the apple and Appa licking his face, and I love seeing. Oh Aang my goodness! Remembering in his dream too. I thought all that stuff was beautiful. He's like Charlie Brown. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Okay, thankfully I didn't cry that that time, but I know like when I first saw that this morning, I was like bawling my eyes out. Um, and he has this dream, by the way. Uh, Ang has this dream in uh, uh, at late last Serpent's or, Pass. Uh, the Ser- Serpent's Pass, yes, the Serpent's Pass, or whatever it was called. It's other three names. Oh, yeah, Journey to Bossing Say Part One. Journey to Bossing Say Part One. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so I. I, again, I don't know if in that one this was a scene they did animate for that episode or if this is after the fact. Because, again, that episode was also JM. So it's hmm. convenient they were using that. Oh, it was funny that I forgot to mention that when Aang is, you know, blowing the bison whistle, the, yeah, the bison whistle, and then he creates his, you know, giant sand mushroom cloud. Um, that was all DR. So it's very interesting that they kind of crossed. Um, animation houses kind of cool though oh yeah yeah oh but speaking of uh wanting to cry and then we see uh first we see ang having his dream and then we cut over to appa and we see him being woken up first to a man with pitchforks and appa he's looking he's looking like he's had a time of it he's he's looking real rough yeah and then once the 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 farmer's wife comes in with the the little torch poor appa he stands up on his hind legs he's freaking out big time and I just think all that stuff is very sad to see. Appa's looking so rough. It is sad. I it hurts a little. I won't fully blame the farmers. Maybe I should. No, no. Because he had every like right to just be like, "What the heck is this? This? Why is the iron giant inside my barn?" Yeah, I'm sure they'd never seen anything like Appa, and they're just like, "Holy crap! This giant beast is in here." Okay, twelve thirty-five. Twelve thirty-five. That is something else. <laughs> it's his like little pouty face, his little ears down, and it's... it's not just that. But I'm looking at like all his rough fur and like all the honey stains on him. Like he has been through the mud. Yep. And the animation work with Appa throughout this episode is just yeah stellar. I think they've done a great job. Yeah, of course. Yeah, like the the the, the female farmer. She like yeah. Was, it's again. She's not. Yeah. It, whatever. She's trying to get a better look at him. So I don't like. Yeah, no shade on them. They were, they all acted in their uh, their way. Appa and them. 
they acted like a normal, you know, farmer couple would. Person's in their uh, their person's in their barn, and they go to see who it is. Thankfully, it's not Jean Jacket stealing horses. <laughs> yeah, and then we after that scene, we get a an interesting moment where we cut to a ship, and who's sitting up, thinking, having some maybe troubled thoughts, but old Uncle Iroh, and he happens to to catch sight of Appa as he flies overhead. Now, do you think that he recognized that it was Sadalus? Like, because we only really see him looking at the bottom side. Do you think he knew? That's fair. I I don't think so. I I I do not know about that because Uncle Iroh doesn't know about the Avatar. The yeah. fact that Aang is traveling along the Serpent's Pass does just assumes like, oh, there goes the Avatar again. And funny, I'm going to mention this again. If you remember in uh, the Spirit World. All the way back in book one, the spirit world, uh, when Aang is being guided by the dragon, he's being guided by Fang, Uncle Iroh noticed that he could see the spirits. And so I just like the fact that in this one, I don't, I'm not saying like opposite spirit, but I just, I like the fact that un- Uncle Iroh caught sight again, uh, of him, again, similar mm. to uh, catching sight of Aang in the spirit world. Back all the way, all the way back in spirit, in the spirit world. Yeah, and I like that he, because uh, Zuko wakes up and he's like, "What's going on? You you seem distressed." And he's just like, "Oh, it's nothing. Go back to sleep." So maybe that's setting some uh, some little breadcrumbs for for it's going to transpire in the next episode. Yes, Perhaps. not not just that. Yeah, I know he's Uncle seems to wanting to be uh, hush hush about the Avatar from Zuko just for does not want that fire to be reignited. That spark to oh, there you go and reignite, you know, the, 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 the fuel for Zuko, but uh, whatever. Again, I wonder what uh, Appa thinks of uncle Iroh same with Aang, but anyways, moving on. And we see again, some beautiful animation of him flying as he comes to these uh, little tree. What, what would you call these? I was trying to, I didn't know what to call it in my summary. They look like trees from either the Indian region or um, or some part of uh, South a- South China. Maybe I'm thinking of I'm I'm really thinking of the Jungle Book. If you if you remember if you remember some of like the you know, mm. 60s version, and obviously the animated version of that, where it looked like it was a temple of some sort. Or or sorry, I was thinking of Thailand as well. I was thinking of like Thailand uh, with like how people of the uh, old civilizations there, they had stone temples of whatever. And they, you know, they had them and then they like, like centuries pass and basically trees and plants and flora overtake it. Uh, So I kind of thought of that, but I don't know what kind of tree that is. So (laughs) yeah, either way uh, he notices that this seems like somewhere I could sleep. And he heads down, but he's so exhausted that he can't even land right. He just kind of falls. And I was like, oh, this, this is just sad. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, I'll have some another little meal as I make my way to somewhere to sleep. Yep. But that's when he's attacked by, uh, I guess someone else was using that same uh, same shelter. This this angry boar, boar god. Yeah. From Princess, Princess Monoke. <laughs> I knew exactly you were going to say that. So this is the <laughs> boar cupine. Mm, I could see it. That is uh, that is the actual like I think at least in the wiki that is what it's called. Um, but yeah, this is definitely like um, who was it? Uh, who's the beginning? I, who, the the board at the beginning of the of Monoke, um, whatever his name was. It's basically him without you know the corruption or the hate 
searing around him. Um, it's just a regular like porcupine, and yeah, he's Oppa's just invading his territory. I don't know if he's inherently evil. It's just the animal way no, of yeah protecting his own. Yeah, you know, we don't know if it's female or male, but certainly like you know, charges Oppa surprisingly does not have a spin dash attack, which is hilarious. But uh, as as he charges on Oppa, does leave behind some quills, which yeah, no, certainly cool idea mm-hmm. for a creature design to have like spin dash and then not spin dash but like a charge and then leaves behind uh quills which will you know do damage over time which is nice but up not taking any uh in this series you know kind of quilled now not taking anything down because he's you know this is not the first time he's had conflict uh rips it takes the tree that he got bashed by and just throws it and hucks it at the porcupine <laughs> Yeah, and I even got the sense that maybe Oppa was tapping into some, like, anger or something, or more animal side. Because, like, pulls the quill out and then just gives a big, like, roar, and then he goes right back to that spot and is like, okay, this is my place now. And not only does he uh, claim it for that night, but he seems to stay there for multiple days, just yeah, kind of depressed, turning back and forth. Doesn't even try to pull any more of the quills out. He's just kind of in a little sour state, or dour state, I should say. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He's, again, defeated. He's like... One will yeah. end getting a lost dog or a lost cat domesticated. Just like, how do I get back to my, you know, home? Um, and that's the thing is that home is not exactly, mm. uh, I mean, he had a home of course, but home for him the past like few months is not yeah. exactly been a center central place. Yeah. It's those people. Uh, it's all over. So yeah. Transient life with uh, his gang. Pretty much. Uh, the, the, the bus is left. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also just liked how the porcupine conflict ended where Oppa just moop tosses him garbage <laughs> tosses him like uh, good old uh, 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 toxic avenger or swamp thing <laughs> yeah and I think the transition of the multiple days the uh, the animation there I think is quite pretty like we said it, he, he started or the this episode started off with four weeks ago mm-hmm. so Time has passed, so we have to see some passages of time. Yeah, and since the uh, the serpents passed, we saw Suki go back to uh, take command of the Kyoshi Warriors. And here they are, I guess, progressing with wherever they're going. I'm not quite sure where, but we see them collecting some berries for the road, I guess. Of course. Yeah, and that's when they notice, oh, what's this? All these destroyed trees, and what's this, uh, this weird white stumps? Yeah, clumpy substance. What is this? It certainly ain't cottonwood. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they, uh, Suki pr- pretty much right away is like, hey, wait a minute, this this looks, I'm pretty sure I know what this is. And as she follows the trail, that's when she finds this lumpy uh, the creature, this this defeated Appa. Barely looks like Appa at this point. He looks much more wild and much more depressed. Like his poor eyes, I think, just say a lot about his, his uh, state now. Yeah, no, it's one of those, like, you just can see the look of his face mm-hmm. and be like, oh, man, this guy is, you want to just give him a hug. But again, that's the thing. You can't because he's becoming kind of feral in a way of, like, he doesn't yeah. know who to trust. This, and this is the same thing with my, you know, feral cat. He, like, it, it took so long just for me to, like, at least lay a hand on him. All right, that sounded bad, but just, like, <laughs> pet him if that may, like, stroke his back. Excuse me. And even mm-hmm. then he hated it. Um, but, but like, <laughs> he just did it for you. 
not even that, but just like I, you basically had to be in front of him and like the the his his bowl, his his food dish had to be right in front of him. He's inside and you had to like gently without him noticing stroke his back. And even then he wouldn't like enjoy it. He's <laughs> like, why are you touching me? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> Golly, I love that cat. <sighs> oh, I'm glad I'm glad you had that relationship. I, I remember seeing that cat a few times. Yeah, he's dead. It's, oh, he, just, he left us one day and I just presumed the worst. Um, my mother's always just like, we should have just grabbed him. And I had a whole, mm-hmm. I full, I literally like pontificated with him on the bench one day of just like, I can't do that to you. I can't, yeah. I can't just grab you and like make you ours. Cause that is just possession. That is no different than like slave owners. And we're forcing, wow. we're literally forcing you to be like domesticated and like be our own cat. It's like, that is like from our from your perspective, we are like awful people. So I understood. I understood it. Yeah, but then again, uh, then again, there's sure are a lot of coyotes in your area. So yeah, I mean, same with you. What are you talking about? Coyotes are everywhere on the Lower Mainland. I do feel like they're your particular part of Syria. My parents' part of Syria. I feel like they're. I see more of them there than I see anywhere else. I mean, we do have Invergary Park, which is a ravine nearby. So that's probably where most of them live. Uh, and yeah, no, missing cats are pro- and dogs are probably eaten by coyotes. Like, why not? Oh, yes. Like, Rody yeah. the Coyote, usually, like, it's probably not the same, but like, Rody the Coyote, I've seen him, like, years ago, like, wandering <laughs> around. So it's not like he's not there. Oh, but I do like when uh, Suki brings him some food, and even though he's wary of her, he still takes the food. But when she brings the rest of the Kyoshi Warriors, he's like, get out of here. Don't mess with me, man. I can I can put up a fight if I need to. I was like, oh, it's sad to see Appa in this state. It just, yeah, it's not something that I'm accustomed to, and it just makes me sad to see it. But oh, certainly. very well done. Uh, I like how I, learned, I like how Suki mentions offhandedly, like this could be the most important mission we have had yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, screw those refugees on the Serpent's Pass. Oh but... boy, or just <laughs> what we've been doing at the Serpent's Pass terminal, ferry terminal. Um. Do you think, by the way, remember how I said like she didn't, or you, you, you stated in Serpent's Pass, I asked you like, hey, do you think she has agency yet? Is she her own character? And you're like, mm-hmm. not really. She's still like a side character or a minor character for Sokka. So she mm-hmm. doesn't really have any agency. Is it here where she gets more? And and even the Kyoshi Warriors are at least becoming more of a like their own characters. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I can go that far. Okay, fair enough. But um, she definitely seizes a moment and tries to do something, but it doesn't really go anywhere because, of course, as I wrote in the description, the Azula attack squad attacks. Yep. So, but I do like to see all the the little uh, uh, handcuffs off Appa, and they've kind of given him some brushings and taken the quills out. Yep. So, so I like to see regular Appa again, but yeah, Azula and her gang attacks. And even with, uh, even by licking one of the Kyoshi warriors, uh, does not take any of the makeup off. Man, that's like, oh, that's intense. That's four hour <laughs> applied makeup for you. Yeah, sweat resistant, and or saliva existed, resistant. Excuse me. Yeah, if you kiss him, it won't leave a mark. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, yeah, Azula just shows up, which is like, okay. Now, what do you think about the uh, the fangirl, uh, Avatar fangirls uh, joke? To be fair, they are reflecting off of an avatar, so like, no. I mean, it's okay. Actually, I said this out loud because I was going to use this for the, you know, for for the for the episode. I said 
it's not the fangirl that I laughed at. It's Tylee's realization of it that I laughed at. Yeah, she, she's charming. She's charming. Yeah, again, naive shouldn't be here. But um, here's where I question the, the continuity. So obviously we don't know what they're doing between uh, uh, the chase. So they're mm. still on their like ATV lizards, whatever. But after that, then they're, we, we next see them at the drill. So Chase's episode seven. Yes. And then uh, what's it called? The drill. The drill is episode 13. So maybe they're in the right place at the right. T- I, I don't know. Like, do they go back? Because this is not anywhere near Bossing Say. This is a wooded area. So I, I, I don't know. Like, again, not an important issue. Like, nothing at all. I'm just trying to, like, put the numbers in my head of, like, where they are at this point. Yeah. Maybe. No, I, I don't have any way to yet. The drill yeah. should have. Yeah, no. Because cause, uh, we saw Zuko in and Iroh already on the boat, so it doesn't... Yeah. Mm. Okay, so... And, and here's another thing. So, Suki leaves, because she's like, I gotta go back to, you know, the ferry terminal at Half Moon Bay, which, by the way, Half Moon Bay is based off of uh, an actual, like, Full Moon Bay or whatever it's called from San Francisco, <laughs> which is funny. But, oh. anyway. Um, so, Suki leaves with the Kyoshi Warriors after episode 12. And then they go into this forest that has to be at least nearby where Bossing Se is. It's not the swamp, but it's like forest area. Drill happens. Sokka, Sokka, uh, Azula and company leave. And I guess this is them now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I, it maybe doesn't make sense, but. It, no, yeah, I mean, okay, I don't want to like, I'm trying to give it the benefit of the doubt here. I'm not trying to like say it doesn't work. I'm just like. This is fine being here because it's set up, but does it all, uh, is it, is it like, uh, is it a good puzzle piece or is it a standard puzzle piece where it fits with the other puzzle pieces or is this one that doesn't fit in the right place? Well, we'll have to have to keep an eye on it. Anyways, sorry. <laughs> but did you have any comments for the, the action scene that takes place here besides, uh, kind of the Appa and Suki interaction? Um... Yeah, Ty Lee and... Well, this is with any protagonist, so I shouldn't complain. I like the shields, and they have swords now. Um, but, like, yeah, my and Ty Lee are certainly uh, overpowered. Um, I was kind of hoping that, like, the Kyoshi Warriors could at least... I mean, again, maybe it's just it, not experience enough, and, you know, their training can only go so far, so, like, they do get bested, but I hope... I, I, I want to see a rematch. I do like how they block the fire... Of uh, Azula, though. Yeah. That's kind of nice. My attacks, and then, like, they have shields. I'm like, seriously? Also, light armor apparently does not um, block uh, Ty, or Ty Lee's punches. So her cheap blocking works on them. And then she gives an annoying, like, you're not prettier than us. I'm like, somebody's got a temper. Or somebody's got a problem with, like, how finely they're dressed. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> oh, I do like that Oppa... Um, you know, now he's, he's kind of gotten back like, okay, I know this chick and this is my new group that I'm with right now. I like that he tries to join to the fight. It takes a couple, uh, couple times of Suki being like, no, go off and look for the avatar before he finally goes. 
So I appreciated that, you know, he's, yeah. even though he's been so reactive, just kind of running away from conflicts at this point, I'm glad to see that he still was wanting to defend his, his group that he was with. Yeah. And he's, yeah. Especially since he also blew uh tail whipped Tylee and may my, that one time uh, in the chase. So that's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of really funny, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, after showing kindness to him, they, um, he kind of, I'm not going to say in Prince, but he certainly does trust these guys, um, yeah. which is nice. I, yeah, I mean, could he have done more? I don't know. But um, yeah, what Suki does when she like realizes after Azula like verbally states like, oh, you're afraid of fire, eh? Uh, and then Suki grabs like a torch. Weird, it's a torch and should be a, actually it's a stick. Never mind. Uh, and she like starts putting it away at Appa or, uh, you know, kind of just like, get out of here. I'm just like, you're a big stupid animal. Um <laughs> I'm just like, okay, Suki's not in the wrong here because again, she was trying to make him escape and get to Aang, and she self like she self sacrificed like that's something she cares about like you know Aang and not throwing her life away of course but like she knows hopefully she'll like live for this so I'm like let's go like that's that's pretty awesome of her yeah yeah but we do see Appa he moves on and we get another fairly brief cameo I don't I'm assuming this is a little piece of setup too. We see our old buddy. You mentioned him earlier, Batao of the, the Water Tribe. Uh, is that him or is that the is that uh Sokka and Katara's dad? Oh, I thought with the little, I thought Batao had the little uh goatee, but maybe it is their dad. It's it's been a while. Maybe the dad had the little goatee too. <laughs> yeah, but no, we do see basically the the um the Water Tribe ships. Um, yeah, yeah, from this or the Southern Water Tribe ships, excuse me, uh, which kind of look like Viking ships. Funny enough. But yeah, yeah, we just see them in the in the distance. But yeah, I'm good. Good cameo makes sense. Yeah, and then as he continues his journey, I, it seems like this point he doesn't know where to go, or where to look, and so he just returns to somewhere else that he knows, the Eastern Air Temple. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, those in between, and an affiliated to the Eastern Air Temple, uh, another temple we see in the southern, we see the northern, and we see in the eastern. Don't know where the skeletons are in this place, but. <laughs> But this place has seen a, a very serious decline. And in that way, I think it's animated beautifully. I love all the bits of growth overtaking the, uh, I don't know what kind of material that is, marble or whatever it is. Uh, stone, marble, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. It still looks beautiful. Does not seem to be occupied by the mechanist and his you know, family. Mm. Um, I love the little, like, you know, chew rail that the young bison, when they're teething, you know, start gnawing at, and then Appa goes in there, and he, you know, is like, gang, 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 gang. <laughs> um, and then spits out dust, coughs up dust. Oh my, that is just so adorable. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I was gonna say when you said uh, doesn't appear to be occupied, I was gonna say it's it's that's because it's occupied by his memories. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, animals do have memories. Yeah, but then he sees maybe he isn't alone, as he sees someone that could potentially resemble Ang, or could potentially represent some of the monks he used to know and he charges forward. He knocks him down. He licks him all over excited. And I love his, his facial expression once he sees the the guy who it was. And he's just like, Oh, <laughs> I think that's great. He has a little yeah. blink. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I have nothing to, I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> but yeah. And I, I do love this exchange with the guru. Yeah. He introduced himself and Oppa's immediately at, on edge starts growling at him. Uh, he knocked him down. And once he sees it, there's like hostility there. He just kind of lays down and relaxes and tries to uh, calm his mind. And that calms up to some degree. 
But then any time that he looks back up at Appa to see if he's calm, Appa just growls again. I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, no, this this character, I, I really enjoy this character and what he means. And yeah, no, I'm glad that, you know, Appa ran into him. And I love that it takes like a, a full day of this this same exchange. Him laying down, looking up, Appa growls, he lays back down. And he can't get back up again until the nighttime when Appa falls asleep. And he comes over and what, what do you think he's doing there? He, yeah, he starts reading him himself, his his inner spirit. He starts reading and seeing all the memories and or at least observing some emotions with his hand. Um, he's reading his chakras and mm. and seeing you know how he behaves and and again yeah knows that he is the avatar's uh steed and uh you kind of get monologues a bit uh and we we hear that you know patik himself is saying that he had a vision many years ago that he would be helping the young avatar uh when he returned and so he has basically waited at the eastern air temple ever since so freaking cool yeah, he's just been there, just waiting all this time. <laughs> it's really cool. And he's he shows absolute like empathy towards him, saying that his emotions are like um, big thunderclouds, given that he is partially a cloud. Uh, it makes perfect sense. He has now become a giant cumulonimbus cloud, uh, very stormy and, and sparky. So, and, and basically just, yeah, very interesting that he calms his mind. Very mm. interesting. Oh, showing another kind of form of how do I put this? But yeah, no, showing showing another form of bending that is outside, you know, the the four elements, similar to what who of the uh, of the mm. swamp was showing. Yes, in a way, uh, it's, it would seem that this man is also part of the I am the Walrus Club. <laughs> Yeah, I did want to mention, because I, I, I think, uh, even though it's somewhat of a brief scene, I do think that the actor, uh, Brian George, uh, makes an impression during this scene. I think he's really good in this role. Very much so. Like yeah. uh, I also like how he lures up with all the fruit and whatnot. And then we also yeah. see, you know, again, an, an enlightened man himself. Nature seems to agree with him, at least uh, <laughs> favors him, uh, especially all the little f- flora or fauna around him. Um, you know, little critters, they come towards him and show, you know, they, they enjoy his tranquility. Yeah. Perhaps he, uh, perhaps he has some, some sort of, uh, connection with the spirit world in that way. I believe he does. Even Appa seems, seems drawn to him, as you mentioned. And I do like the, I love the image of Appa with the bedhead. <laughs> I just, I, I, I just love this, the, this character. He's just such a great piece of animation. He has so much. Uh, like so much he is the definition of patience like man what would what him and uncle ira would talk about golly mm. gee i don't know mm-hmm. this guy is like i hope it's not my i hope it's i'm not showing whiteness here by saying like oh i'm just so fascinated by you know the fact that we're seeing like semi-hinduism uh beliefs on display but i'm like ah oh, just this is like this this is what you want to see from from a, a religion where it's a a person the person who has found inner peace, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he brings a very different vibe to the the characters that we've seen up to this point. And I even like the, the kind of musical notes, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You sort of hear like some, some Indian uh, in, uh, gu- gu- guitars in there. 
Yeah, instrumentation. Yeah, I think all that stuff is adds a fun, uh, new vibe. And yeah, j- just this this one appearance so far it m- makes me very intrigued to see more of him. I think there's only one question I have, but it's again not at all does not at all matter. What uh, what nationality do you think he is? <laughs> like, where who does he originate from? Uh, maybe it's somewhere that we haven't seen yet. I guess so because. <laughs> All I'm saying is that, like, so all four um, kingdoms, nations were based off of a real world uh, counterpart. Fire Nation is Japanese. Um, uh, what, do you, what do you call it? The the Earth Kingdom is the is Chinese. Uh, airbenders are Tibetan slash Nepalese, and the Water Tribe is uh, Inuit. So and potentially Polynesian. Now, Petik himself, name and all, is is very Indian looking. Now, color wise, like skin color wise, he could be descended from um, Water Tribe potentially. Probably not, but perhaps you're right. It is just you know uh, a sub region somewhere from a different like tribe potentially. Again, doesn't matter. Sorry if I'm sounding racist, but like it was just a question. It's, it's always an uh, idea I had in my mind of like I wonder where this guy's from. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll explore that uh, in a future episode. But yeah, we no. do see is he's doing some other readings on Appa. That's when he discovers the location of Aang. He talks about how their spirits are are so intertwined in their paths, and yeah, and then he kind of turns Appa into, into like a into like a sonambulance, sonambulist or something. What's that word? Did you do you know what word I'm saying? Uh, no, an ambulance. <laughs> No, Sinambulus. Uh It's uh, we talked about it in that the cabinet of Doctor Caligari. It was like a, I think like a controlled sleepwalker, or or maybe that's just reading from that movie. I I can't remember. Uh oh yeah that yeah that was well one we still haven't done that episode yet. I know I know two <laughs> like I know well, it'll come. Uh but two I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know if he's a sleepwalker though in in this case. Because maybe we'll discuss when he finally gets to Bossing Say, but. But I do like that he leaves the message with with Appa as well. It's a good little bit of setup for for future stuff to come. It does make me excited to see more of this character. But it does seem like he almost sends Appa unconsciously onto his journey. Interesting. I never thought of that. Didn't read it that way. Yeah, maybe we'll see see what we think when we get to the uh, the bossing say part. Like, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But I I once again love one that Patrick, uh asked permission to put. Uh, the message on to Aang. Yeah. Um, that was incredible. Yeah, that was just, I don't, I don't know. I'm, gl- I'm glad that like, and some and be- somehow Pethic himself can communicate with uh, Appa. I think again, with otherworldly spiritual powers, I think he can communicate somehow. Not, you know, pure English, but I think like, again, mo- I think it's emotions. I think it's emotion based where he asks permission somehow. And then uh, Appa allows him to tie this message onto his horn and then Patik uses something that we have seen before and it's not just with spirit vines it's mm. lines yeah, and then we see yeah, the line kind of traveling and then we eventually cut to Appa flying through the air and, and coming to the bossing say we see a couple of creepy Dali guys up in the hiding up on the rooftops these creeps that's what they do and I guess they uh, they alert Long Fang, but uh, if you go to uh, twenty three oh seven, it's like Appa 
like his one eye like jolts open. He looks kind of sleepy before then. And that that's where I got my reading. I don't know if maybe that was for something else, sir. I see. Okay, yeah. Give me a second. I'll get to was it twenty three oh seven or Yeah, twenty three oh six is yeah, when he's got his sleepy eye. Okay, so he's looking droopy there. He kinda looks like himself. He looks well rested. Fair enough. And then yeah. Okay, so yeah, it's and then all of a sudden we see from his perspective, like, hey, what's going on? Like, why am I here? So I, I see what you're saying almost. Okay. Interesting. Like he he's been phantom flying for a while eh? yeah that that's yeah that's what i thought and then uh yeah this is kind of interesting so we see sleeping ang and he's got his little bison whistle so my my summary was wrong it wasn't uh it was just like a a faux version of the bison whistle i thought he stole it (laughs) when i wrote the summary earlier unless that's unless that was what he was reacting to as soon as his like we we would have heard the visual cue right or the visual so the audio cue of of the whistle right i think so yeah no you're right that does make it a little more confusing yeah Hmm. and but at the same time i also question like did long fang read the script because like i i get that like as soon as he gets into like i guess bossing say airspace the daily see him there Mm -hmm. but they had to react pretty quickly to tell him that maybe uh to plan this whole thing out maybe long fang lives in one of those houses and someone just sent him the signal. He's like, okay, I'll walk out of my house. And this is where we have our trap ready to go. Yeah, probably. That's my only, <laughs> like, I feel like they're, they're, they're reaching a little too far, but maybe that's just me. I don't, I, agree. I, accept, I accept the fact that of what Long Fang does, that's fine. I'm just like, I feel like it react, he reacted too quickly, but at the same time, you have to do this. So Aang doesn't catch wind at all, uh, which is fine. I get that, but it's just like, I don't know. I've, I don't know if it works all well, but yeah, I love the fact that, yeah, Ang and Momar are just sleeping in the air bison whistles right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's pretty much we we see is is Appa lands. Long Fang flips up the ground and traps him underneath it. Wait, wait a minute, hang on, wait oh. a second, wait a second. You're forgetting one last thing, like one piece of evidence that is kind of you know from a holdover that justifies this entire episode. Yeah, the footprint. Twenty three thirty. The paw print. Woo. Yeah. The one that Momo was resting in, which I assume he knew was the paw print. Now I'm kind of a knucklehead on that for realizing like it's a paw print, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Cause you do kind of see him like laying it. Yeah. And then weird that the paw print stayed there and not when long. Yeah. That's weird. The paw print stayed there in the mud as long Fang did the cool, um, flippity do like where he, Flip the floor underneath him, which is hilarious, but also makes me question like how hollow the entire like city is and how it hasn't like caved in yet. Yeah, no, that's fair. That is weird. But that's that's the Appa's lost days, and I guess we'll we'll move on to final thoughts. I think I'll go first this time. <laughs> I did. I just wanted to say uh, I do think that this is one of the the standout episodes for the show overall, just for how different it feels. Um, maybe I missed. Uh, having our gang a little bit, but I, I really like getting into Appa's perspective and seeing kind of a travelogue and going to all these places and seeing his little flashbacks to his youth. I think all that stuff was really unique. And this was one of the ones I remembered uh, from my initial watch re- really liking. So I was very happy to, to finally get to it. That'll be your final thoughts. Thank you for those, sir. I, I enjoy your final thoughts. Um, yeah, same here. I, I enjoyed this episode it was a struggle. And like any Don Bluth film, 
you think that by the end of it, it's going to be, you know, you can show so much, you can show a lot of darkness as long as you give uh, a happy ending to these characters denied in this episode, uh, because we at least basically <laughs> fill the gaps and the blanks out for what happened to Appa, set up a lot of things. Some of it, I think, was rushed a bit, at least, you know, with the Zula showing up and what the, where the timeline was with that, and then like Long Fang knowing immediately. But other than that, I pretty much would highly recommend this episode and do enjoy it, even though it is pretty sad to see an animal be abused uh, by yeah. abusers. However, in almost every sense, other than like the Sandbenders, I mean, the Sandbenders kind of got their comeuppance uh, in a way. Uh, if you have, you'll have to remember episode. Uh, or yeah, episode 13 or whatever, the desert, not 13, uh, but yeah, the desert where Aang went full ham on those guys, especially that one dude. Um, so they got their comeuppance and then the ringmaster got his comeuppance. The porcupine got his comeuppance. Azula, we'll see when she gets her comeuppance. She kind of got her comeuppance in the drill, denied. So she's still out there. And... Uh, yeah, Long Feng, maybe he'll get his comeuppance, but we'll see. So yeah, I hope I don't know if your guys's tissue uh tissue box of tissues are uh out from, you know, crying at this episode, but it's going to be okay. Let's just uh you know, all tragedies, you know, that that's tragedy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I, I definitely don't think this one was a tragedy. I think uh that's fair. Yeah, setting up for better days to come for for old Oppa and, and the gang. Hold out hope, everybody, that every like, the more stuff will be okay. Yeah, and then thank you, Isaac, for, for watching this one with me. I was very happy to, to finally get to this one and excited to, to move on to the next one as well. My pleasure, sure, as always. Uh, we will see everybody next time. But until then, um, if you come across a stray and or feral wild uh, animal, do you decide to adopt the little critter for you know and domesticate it or do you just let it go on its own and still be out in the wild till next time peace podcast contains spoilers for all seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. Spoilers. Enter at your peril.
I'm kind of annoyed that this character did not come across Aang or the gang when they're in season or in their book three. Kind of wish they brought him back, but they didn't. You honestly <laughs> well, should have. Really, there's nothing, nothing really to bring back. <laughs> but like, you would have had a moment there where Appa sees him and like they talk about it, and you could have had another like inside, uh, behind enemy lines person talking about like you know the culture. What had an inside man? But whatever. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. 